I'm Lynn Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series. Our program features Alan Boyu, president of ITR Economics. ITR Economics was founded in 1948 and is the oldest privately held, continuously operating economic research and consulting firm in the U.S. The company provides economic intelligence to reduce risk and drive practical and profitable business decisions. Boyu is a sought-after speaker and co-author of Prosperity in the Age of Decline. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you have another app you use for listening to podcasts, let us know and we'll make an effort to get it listed there as well. Subscribing means you will receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less when you can have more. For example, Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components, the Yanmar engine, transmission, and axles all in-house. Because they're made to work perfectly together, you and your customers get a hardworking machine with more usable horsepower, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Yanmar's tractors are designed to work as hard as you do for a lifetime. Strengthen your dealership today with Yanmar. Email them at agmarketing at yanmar.com or call 770-877-9894. You're taking many steps today to ensure the future of your dealership. However, there are also many outside factors that influence your success, such as the economy. How can you keep up when it comes to monitoring the economic trends that are most important to your business? Alan Boyu, president of ITR Economics, breaks down what you need to watch now and how to prepare your business for changes ahead. Okay, thank you, Alan, for talking with us today. And you had a very interesting presentation at the recent GIE Expo. And so I wanted to talk with you a little bit more about some of the points that you brought up and share with our dealer listeners. Um, One thing you talked about in terms of the economy is that your research shows that it it really doesn't matter so much about who is in office, uh, who is in the administration, but what what matters is what businesses do. Can you explain that a, a little bit further? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, It's pretty straightforward. It's mathematical. When you look at the GDP results under Republican administrations and under Democrat administrations, and we're talking about in the White House, uh, and you compare that through time, and and the GDP growth under Republicans and, and under Democrats is almost exactly the same. The difference is statistical noise, not proof of one party superiority over the other. That's from World War II to today. And so what we find is it makes no difference. It is what we do as business folks, what we, how we adjust to what's going on. They don't control, they being Washington and, and presidents, don't control as much as we give them credit for. We seem to think that they are masters of the economy, but in fact, they're not. They can nudge, they can tip, but they are not uh, you know, in a certain direction. But all that takes time, and it's certainly not something that businesses don't have time to adjust to. We may not like all the changes, may not agree with all the changes, but it doesn't seem to affect our ability to profit 
well, as, as relative to GDP growth. Now, if you take ACA as an example of that, then you find that, you know, that, that is added to the cost burden that companies have to bear, and, and a lot of companies don't like that. But ACA may be rolled back under the current administration. So when you have a massive piece of legislation come in that we don't like, we tend to think it's going to ruin life as we know it on planet Earth. But lo and behold, these things are often rolled back. And um, new sheriff in town can do that. And then we get all happy because it's rolled back. And then another sheriff comes in and puts something else on us. And things kind of ebb and flow, go back and forth. In the meantime, we have to do our jobs. We have to make our decisions. We have to be profitable. We have to have the stakeholders in mind. And we find that in America, we're very good at that, despite what's going on in D.C. So on that point, in terms of small businesses and, and the power they have to, to drive their own future, can you talk about what you're seeing um, as an economist for the short term um, and what uh, businesses can do to take advantage of what's coming or to prepare for what's coming? Sure. Through the short term, the U.S. economy is going to expand in the first half, generally into the first half of 2018. Of course, every industry is a little different or maybe a little different. But let's say first half of 2018, then we think the economy is going to slow. When I say economy, I'm thinking of GDP, slowing its rate of rise, kind of flatten out a little. And then uh, that flattening out, a little bit of softness is going to extend into 2019. And then after that, uh, by mid-19, you should see the economy beginning to pick up speed on a GDP basis. We head into 2020 uh, with a nice uh, momentum. Businesses should be happy, and, and life is pretty good on planet Earth. That forecast is driven by our cyclical theories and by leading indicators, by logic. I mean, there are lots of things behind that. What people should do is pretty straightforward. When you head into a softer economic environment, you know your sales growth is going to flatten out or slow dramatically. The first responsibility is to cash. So you make sure you're not spending cash you should not be spending. If you've had a very good 2017, for instance, and you're growing, I'll pick a number, 12%. That's a completely arbitrary number. But you're growing by 12%. It's real tempting to say, hey, next year, things are looking good. We're going to grow by 12% next year. And you spend money on the factors of production to give you that kind of growth. But if you're really going to slow down to 3%, then you don't need to spend nearly as much money getting ready for a growth trend that will not be there. That may be inventory. It may be new salespeople. It may be uh, holding off on the purchase of a major asset that is not necessary. The fleet can get by another year, that type of thing, as opposed to replacing your delivery fleet, whatever it happens to be. The other thing you can do is in a softer year, say to yourself, okay, what do I need to get ready for a busy 2020? Uh, delivery fleet, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about what are the efficiency gains? Is there an ERP, which will, will take 18 months out of my life or more? Is there a new PIC system? Is there a new uh, line that I need to put in? Is it time for me to open up an office in, in Gainesville? I mean, what is it I should be doing to get ready for the future? Since my business will be slower, since I will have less to occupy my time, if you will, than if I'm running straight out trying to meet current sales projections, uh, then I have the time to deal with that. I have the time to implement and do it right. I have the time to plan. I have the time to do the things that'll make me a better company in 2020. So A, you don't spend a lot of cash you don't need to. B, you spend the cash where you, where you should be as you're looking to 2020. And the need for increased efficiencies because labor costs are going up, commodity costs are going up, 
And efficiency gains are going to be extremely important as we head into the future, especially in a labor-intensive situation, uh, which most distribution is, uh, and manufacturing, and most businesses have a high labor content. So you drive that efficiency rather ruthlessly while you have the time and the money to do so. One other point that you had made, which really resonated with the group at GIE, was the idea of a major downturn coming more long-term, closer to 2030, I think you had said. What about that in terms of small businesses, equipment dealers? What do they need to watch and prepare for? Well, (laughs) they need to prepare for a Great Depression uh, in the 2030s by looking at their clients and saying, all right, is this client in an industry that's going to get hurt? Well, then by late 2020, I better be replacing that client with one that's in an industry that's not going to get hurt. And it may not look very attractive uh, at the moment because, you know, client A is known, client A is profitable, client A is somebody that's been around a long time, you have a personal relationship, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, but client A is not, may not survive, and if he does survive the great downturn, he or she is going to be giving you a lot less business. So. The owner has to, the, the firm we're talking about has to be thinking, all right, I need to have a few years to develop clients in more depression-resistant or even depression uh, counter-cyclical industries, which we cover in our book, Prosperity in the Age of Decline. So as they're moving their marketing and their sales force to these different areas, they are positioning their company for success instead of just doing things the way they've always done them before. And while that sounds simple to you and I, um, it's not. Firms uh, have an expertise, firms have a rhythm, firms have a pattern, firms have experience. And to have to learn a new industry, to have to uh, capture market share away from people who are already in that industry, that's a lot of hard work. And that hard work is easy to avoid while things are going well. You have to have a confidence in in the forecast and in, in your future uh, the change that is coming, if you will, in order to be pressured into making that turn, uh, that turn is what I should have said. You understand the psychological complexity there? It's just a matter of it's easiest to just believe that's not going to happen, and therefore I don't have to do anything, I'll be fine. We'll bounce off that iceberg, it'll be fine. <laughs> then often it's simply not. <laughs> So far in this podcast, Alan Boyu of ITR Economics has explained what to expect from the economy in the short term, including a softening in 2019 and then a nice momentum in 2020. He says a business's first responsibility is to cash in a softer economic environment, and then when the economy picks up again, to invest in efficiency gains. Let's get back to the podcast to learn more about leading economic indicators to watch as well as global influences. Well, so in, in terms of what you're seeing that you feel confident that that is coming uh, in 2030 and also for our dealers to kind of follow along with you, what what indicators are you watching that we should also be watching to as to track that downturn? Well. Is it GTP, GDP again or what else? Yeah, there's a, we cover nine uh, nine keys to knowing you're you're at the uh, top of the business cycle and about to enter into the Great Depression. Uh, that's also in our book, Prosperity in the Age of Decline. The reality is there are things you can watch for, and the things that'll happen real close to the downturn are the leading indicators 
that we show at every presentation and that we use faithfully at ITR, um, we'll start heading lower dramatically. They're not just going to kind of slip downward. Uh, there's a thing called universalities of cycles concept. So if the leading indicators just kind of fluffing their way down, you don't expect a lot of trouble. If the leading indicators are dropping like a stone, that's telling you something. Uh, it's sort of like all of a sudden the, uh, the thing that measures wind on your roof is if, if going lazily around. You're not worried about a hurricane coming, but when that thing's spinning a mile a minute, you got some trouble heading your way. It's a very similar concept. The leading indicators will tip you off as to what you're looking for, so you watch them. You make them part of your, your dashboard. You make them part of what you review monthly. Uh, you see how you relate to them as a business, which is even better. There are numerous ways to do that. We uh, have processes for that. One's called Datacast, and there's um, other things called Trendcast and Executive Interest Points. There's, there's methodologies for doing that. And as companies do that, they will have the warning that it is coming. Now, because of the length of time necessary to change into new markets, you don't want to rely just on that. That's sort of like the last step. Before that, you have to understand the logic behind it. This is about demographics in Japan, in China, Russia, the United States. This is about an aging global population that's going to need health care. This is about high debt levels. And in Japan and in China and in uh, the United Kingdom, the United States, and how those high debt levels and demographic, negative demographic trends with high health care costs are going to impact the governments and the government's ability to make everything all right, so to speak, which they won't be able to do. Governments are not terribly good at that. Couple that with inflationary pressures, which we see plenty of signs of now, and you have yourself the makings of a perfect storm. You have yourself the makings of lots of trouble as we go into the future. And um, those things, as they continue to develop, and we cover this, is, is as inflation begins to perk and it begins to feel like the late 1970s again, that's a warning sign. Uh, when you see that interest rates are climbing, 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 and at first, you know, you're passing 7% on a home mortgage and you go, oh, that's not bad. I'm old enough. I've seen worse. And then it goes to eight, then it goes to nine. You say to yourself, Holy smokes, if this continues, then that certainly means there's going to be a contraction in housing and the automotive industry and other problems. So you just pay attention to interest rates. You pay attention to irrational exuberance, as Alan Greenspan called it. You start hearing politicians say everything's fine. We can take care of everything. You start hearing uh, people talk about an unlimited future and how there's a new economy, new paradigm. That'll happen years before the bust. But you start hearing that talk, you should be worried. Very worried. Uh, promises of an unbridled future are always followed by a bridled future <laughs> where there's problem uh, waiting for businesses. So you look for that optimism. And again, uh, Linda, the hard thing is for a business leader, how do you ignore all the happiness around you and start thinking negatively? How do you ignore the fact that the stock market just gave you 25% this year or 15% this year and you're starting to get worried about the stock market? People think that's irrational. So when you look at normal trends and durations and historical guidelines, you can see that obviously before a, a dramatic fall, there's this period of prosperity that people are lulled into complacency. And those are the businesses that fail, the ones that are uh, lulled into complacency or they're at least decimated. So they're a shadow of their earlier self when the bad times come. Uh, those are some of the things you need to do. Think differently. Think outside of where you are and, turn, and look to where you will be. 
by looking at the world around you and understanding, is this too perfect? Can this really last? Why is everybody so optimistic? And understand that those are bad signs as you go forward. And then your point, too, in terms of, you know, bad times coming, just dealers just being aware, um, watching the data and just using those times now to just shore up their business. Um, any other points that you wanted to share with our, our dealer readers in terms of what you're seeing and, and what interests you in terms of the economy? Well, sure. Let me um, first share that, you know, the late 2020 is a good time to sell the business if, you, if you're looking to sell. If you don't have a succession plan, uh, there's nobody you particularly want to leave the business to. Uh, if you're going to sell it, sell it around 2026 so that you have a three-year earnout workout uh, before the, the downturn comes so you can maximize your return on investment. As far as other things going on, absolutely, and thanks for the, for the opening. When, when you think of what's going on in the world today, a lot of people are very concerned about North Korea, not really necessary. Uh, if there's a nuclear war, uh, being worried about it's not going to change anything, and being worried about it, uh, it should not affect the decisions you make in your business. I don't think there's a strong likelihood of North Korea actually nuking Japan or South Korea. Um, if that does, then we'll certainly be adjusting for a disruption in the prosperity in the world. And it would do that, but it will not be a fatal event in the world. And cold-hearted economist in me, you know, is speaking now, not thinking about the people that are involved, because if we do that, we get bogged down in emotion. If we think logically, if production of ships, South Korea is, is obliterated because of a nuclear bomb, uh, then the production of ships in Japan and in Greece and in the United States benefits, and that work is spread out. So there are jobs created in other countries and ships will continue to be made. Now, there's a disruption because ones that were partway through the process aren't going to be there in time. But you can see that it is not a, a, a terminal problem. It is an interruption kind of problem. And it can be that way for automobiles that are made in Korea. It can be that way for, you know, any number of things that are made. It's disruptive. It can derail for a year or more, but it is certainly not an end of civilization type of activity. And we must keep it in perspective. I know that's cold, but it is best to keep it in perspective. Then, then we have Europe. People like to worry about Europe. Europe's going to be fine through the near term. I know it's fun to talk about uh, the people leaving Spain, and, and uh, we've, we'd like to talk about you know what happens if Greece leaves and, and all the rest of that. Certainly, what if the British leave? The reality is the Brits are going to leave. Uh, Spain may have uh, a, a civil union kind of problem that they're going to have to deal with. I'm not sure it'll ever make it to a civil war. Uh, but the EU will survive through the near term because the British would like it to. And because the British, not the British, excuse me, the Germans would like it to. And since the Germans are going to hold this thing together, the EU will be there and they will be doing business and they will be fine for the, for the near term. And your question dealt with the near term. So take Europe out of your mind take China out of your mind because they're doing well at the moment. Things are going their way. Uh, production is up and demand is good and they're selling goods around the world. So for the next few years, China is looking good too. So when you look around the world, it's a pretty positive place. And when you look at what that means to the United States economy, it is good. And your dealers in a good U.S. economy should be looking to a nice future. If they want to get bogged down in negative thinking, then they will plan that way and position their business that way. They won't take risks and without risk, there's very little advancement. They won't invest because they'd be worried about losing that investment. 
and without that investment, without taking the risks, they're going to hamper their growth in the years to come. Now's the time to lead, uh, not the time to bleed. Thank you again to Alan Boyu of ITR Economics for sharing his short and long-term economic forecast. It will be important to watch the warning signs during upcoming times of prosperity so we are not lulled into complacency. He says that succession planning is also critical so your dealerships are prepared for the great downturn forecast for 2030. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for helping make this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. And please share your feedback on today's program by sending an email to lwolf at lessetermedia.com or call me at 316-648-3717. You can also keep up on the latest rural equipment news and trends by registering online for our e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and on our Rural Lifestyle Dealer Facebook page. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.